just praying God's presence, you know, here and praying for you all. And, and as I'm doing that, I'm just kind of looking around and I'll see something new that I hadn't seen before. You know, we got that beautiful mural up there and, and then, you know, some other decorations. And, and as I look around, it's just the attention to detail is just so beautiful. And who would have thought, I mean, a palette could look so nice, you know. And, uh, but wow, it really is... Uh, is beautiful, and I, I, I just love, uh, love it when it's uh, just so vibrant with the uh, festiveness, festiveness, amen? And even uh, the nativity, I don't know if you all can see it from where you are, but uh, um, just, uh, just so beautiful. And, um, so we're into our first week of uh, Advent. And uh, um, Advent meaning coming to or the coming of. And, um, and so as we approach the birth of the Savior, um, we've kind of um, started our own tradition here, if you will. And um, some of you may do it in your own homes and, and lighting the um, candles on the Advent wreath. And um, if I may, um, I want to do that and... Forgive me if I don't make this uh, processional. If, <laughs> um, but I, we want to uh, recognize and pay attention to uh, the importance of reminding ourselves what this is all about. And as we light that first candle, this, this candle is a candle of hope. And so as we approach Christmas Day, the the birth of the Savior, um, this candle of hope reminds us that, um, and this candle is called the prophet candle or God's people candle, and it symbolizes hope um, in that. And the prophets of the Old Testament, especially um, Isaiah, uh, waited in hope for the Messiah's arrival. And the prophets knew of the hope of the coming Messiah, and it was spoken of through them. Hope is like a shining in a dark place, and in a sense, the candle lights up the darkness. And our hope is only found in Christ Jesus. Our hope is found in the forgiveness for mankind through Christ this is a purple candle. It was in anticipation of the coming of, which is what Advent means, the coming of the Messiah as foretold by Isaiah. And it is usually the first candle lit. Some of them um, are lit in different order and things, but um, they represent the same things. And so if one is lit in a different order, that's not a game breaker, if you, if you will. So, and, and this is um, just a reminder for ourselves in, in the busyness of, of this season, and I'm sure you're all feeling that already, uh, trying to fit in family gatherings and work gatherings and any kind of other gatherings you might do and shopping and all of these things. It, it tends to draw attention away from the real importance, and that is Christ. And and so the Advent wreath helps us to draw that attention back to where it's supposed to be. Not the attention on the candle, not the attention on the wreath, Amen. 
but the attention drawn from those things as a symbol of Christ, our hope. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We've been talking in the last few weeks here uh, about self and the enemy of self, the enemy called and named self. It is one of the greatest battles, if not the greatest battle, the believer will face. And that is because our own desires, our own fleshly desires are wound up in this. Our pride is wound up in it. And the pride part is something that we have yet to address. And pride is a big and, I might add, dangerous part of this whole thing. And so self wants always to be elevated. Self always wants to be recognized. Self always wants to be center stage. Self wants the spotlight. Yeah? And self wants revenge. Self wants revenge. Yeah? When our pride is hurt, our pride is injured, someone says something to offend us, we get our proverbial feathers ruffled. That happens very easily. And no matter how you shake yourself, they just won't set right. That, my friends, is self rearing its ugly head. Self wants to be justified. Self wants to always be right. (laughs) Self wants to always be right. And self wants revenge. Self wants to squash the opposition to my pride. Self wants to devour those that come against it. And so we would plan out our strategy for revenge. Well, the next time they say this, I'm going to say this. We might even write it down. We might even, hear me, we might even practice it so we get it right. Come on. (laughs) Make sure we don't miss it. Yeah? And and sometimes, you've you've all had this, uh, happened to you, I'm sure, where somebody says something offensive to you, and it's just like, you want to say something, but there's just nothing there. It's like, come on! And afterwards, man, you think of five or six things that you could have you said. Yeah? But it's too late! And so you practice for the next time. You may even work hard to create a next time. Come on, so that you can use those things. (laughs) Come on. Our flesh thrives on that. It just thrives on it. It's like fuel for the flame. 
Yeah? And it just, woo, that just builds that flame of self and, and pride. And those feathers take some time to settle back in. And so there is a strong and fierce, I might add, battle going on between the flesh and its evil desires and the spirit and the spirit's desires. And the Bible talks about that battle that is going on. We've talked about that. And so we need to be mindful of those things. Because listen, if there's ever something that will offend you, it's going to happen. You bet on it. It's going to happen. Yeah? There's a book written. It's called The Lure of Offense. The Lure of Offense. And so the enemy will cause things to happen to you so that he can lure you. Look at, look at my movements here. <laughs> lure you away from the truth and the faith. And so somebody, it, it doesn't hurt so bad when, when somebody we don't know or care about so much it hurts us, you know, it's different. But when somebody close to us injures us, oh, that flesh just rises right up. And those roots can go deep. And those roots can produce a crop of selfishness and pride and evil in the life of a believer. And it's like a crop of weeds growing up in a crop of somebody's garden. And the enemy loves to have those crops come and even choke out what God is producing in your lives. Don't let that happen. Don't allow that to happen. Be watching for it and be ready when it happens. I watched a movie recently for the millionth time, I might add, Jody Peters, not mentioning any names, and uh, it's called You've Got Mail. Oh, you ladies. You've Got Mail. And, um, and so the lady in this movie, she, she owns a little bookstore, a little corner bookstore, you know, and and then this guy she starts liking owns the big, you know, franchise bookstore that's moving in right down the street, right? And so she's very, um, very humble, very down to earth, very quiet, if you will, very, you know. And, and when it comes time when she meets this guy uh, from Fox Books, you know, and, and uh, well, she just wants to get it to him, you know, and, and, and she can't. She's looking for the zingers, not the kind you eat. She's looking for the zingers to be able to just, 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 just get, hit them with them, you know. They're not there. And so she's complaining. She's like, man, I just wish I could get that right. She wants to have all the zingers so that when the time comes, they're just ready on the tip of her tongue. And she can just, bam, 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 throw off those zingers, you know, and, and put them in his place. Well, when she finally does it and she puts him in his place, what happens? She feels horrible. 
She feels horrible, and it's haunting her, the things she said. And she knows she hurt his feelings, and blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> but you get the idea. She, she finally built up her strength, and she practiced those zingers, and when it finally came time, she delivered with accuracy, and afterwards, she felt horrible. She felt horrible. It's just not her, you know? And in, in that same way, our flesh desires to have the right zingers. We desire to have the right words at the right time to just stomp on any opposition. But it takes control. Self-control. Did you see what I did there? self Control. It takes self-control to not put others in their place. It takes self-control to refrain from saying those hurtful things. The battle against self is fierce. Listen to what 1 John 1.4, turn there with me. 1 John 1, 4, not regular John, this is 1 John just before Revelation, 1 John 1, 4. Here's the scripture. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Somebody see if you can find the correct reference for that, if you would. John 4, 4. First, no? For everyone born of God, somebody look it up, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. What has overcome the world? Our. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Are you born of God? What does that mean? What does that mean to be born of God? You know what it comes down to? Very simply, obedience. That's what it comes down to. I, love, I just want to share the scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 22. 2 Corinthians 1. Listen to this. Speaking of victory through Christ, Right? Victory through Christ and um, being born of Christ and overcoming the world, overcoming our fleshly desires. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes Both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So all the promises in Christ are yes and amen. Notice the positive. Yes, children. Amen, Children, let it be, children. Let it be so, 
children. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. And it's, it's giving that implication that it's done. Let it be. What has been proclaimed, let it be. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Praise the Lord. We, uh, in our fleshly, our, our humanly desires, we tend to want to go our own way. We tend to want to be independent of God as opposed to dependent. And, and there's a good balance that ha- has to be there, of course. But um, we tend to want to have our own way. And, but to be submitted to Christ, to be in ownership by Christ is really what that comes down to. Christ now is in the pilot seat, if you will, of our lives. So now we have given him control to lead us where he would have us go. Sue was talking this morning, and, and her and Ken yesterday telling, testifying about what happened on their travels and how God just, I don't know any better word, but orchestrated three different people's lives into one meeting on a plane. And things that could have lasting implications in each of their lives. And, and God brought all those things together. He orchestrated those things. That's what happens when the believer is submitting to Christ. The believer, instead of saying, today I'm doing this, the believer ought to say, if God wills it, I will do this and this. Amen. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Verse 15. So I'm going to start back a little bit further. I know my poor guys mess them all up. But Now listen, you, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. We will spend a year there. We will carry on business and we'll make money. Why do you not even, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. We don't, we don't know what will happen today, let alone tomorrow. What is your life? Are you, you are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Well, that kind of puts things into perspective. We've heard it said that we are strangers here, foreigners. Well, this one says, You're a mist that appears for a little while that vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. 
Do you see how we stray from the understanding that we are not our own, but we are Christ's? We have planned, we put it on the, we fill our calendar up. I do. We fill our calendar up with stuff we're going to do on this day at this time for this long. Right? And we, we have to do that. But we must keep in mind that we need to be attentive to the Spirit of God that he may lead us and move us and position us as pawns in a chess game. All over the chessboard, affecting this one and that one with the love of Christ Jesus the Lord. Today, I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to buy this and that for this person and this person. Or maybe myself. (laughs) Okay? And so our thought process, we focus on the intention, right? Especially the guys. All right, so I'm going to go into this store. I'm going to go to this section back in the back corner. That's my section. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get this thing and in... 18.5 minutes, I'm going to be out of there. And then God puts somebody in your path. Oh, wow. Wow. And you're able, hear me, friends. And you're able to pour into that person. You're able to pour into that person. Let me tell you a story. Just the other day, Now, I'm not like most of you who take in your bottles and cans, your empty bottles and cans every week or so. No. I let mine add up for a year till it takes up the space of a whole room and I can't stand it anymore. Then I load up a trailer and I tie everything down Till I'm fed up <laughs> and I take it down to the can and bottle store and it takes me an hour to load it in and it takes them an hour to count it all. So while I'm there waiting, someone else comes in. His hand is bandaged up and it's looking rough. And so I'm looking over there at it. I don't want to get involved, you know. I don't, want to, I don't want to start a conversation, right? God knows where that'll go. I don't want to be in conversation. I want to get in. I want to get out. I got other things to do just today. Well, he's standing there, and I say to him, what happened to your hand? He says, well, I build pole barns. Interesting. I've built 76 pole barns without one injury. And I said, man, that's pretty good. He says, well, I cut my hand on a circular saw the other day, almost cut my pinky off. And I, 
And he said, lost my job, can't do it anymore. I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to do from here on in. And I, I said, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. That's a, that could be a life-changing injury. He says, yeah, I'm, not, I'm only a couple weeks in. And he says, I, of course, I can't work. And uh, I said, yeah, I can see why. Um, actually, no. I think it was his first finger, which is even worse, right? That really affects things more. I think it was his first finger. Um, either way. And I said, oh, my gosh, man, I'm so sorry. He said, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm going to have to probably find some other way of making a living. I said, yeah, you might. I said, hey, would you, would you mind if I prayed for you? And he's, oh, no, no, I guess, guess not. I appreciate that, actually. And I said, so I got... I carry this little vial of oil on my keychain, just a little dinky thing, and for just such an occasion. Yeah? Some of you save a bottle of wine for just such an occasion. Come on. Come on. Yeah? And so I save this little vial of of oil for just such an occasion when I'm out and about somewhere and I get the opportunity, the Lord presents the opportunity for me to pray for. So I said, I, I got this little bit of oil here I carry with me. I'm a pastor and a chaplain. And, and I said, I'd, I'd like to anoint you. And people kind of get a little bit freaked out when they, when they hear you want to anoint them. And I said, well, this is what the Bible says. If there are any of you that are sick, uh, that are among you that are sick, you should have the elders of the church come. And, and, and I said, so that's what I'm going to do if you're okay with that. He said, yeah, go ahead. So I dipped some, and I prayed, I anointed him in the name of the Father, and I held his hands in mine like this. I said, Lord, this is a big deal here. This is a big deal. Potentially life-changing, life-altering accident here. I'm praying that you restore that finger of his, I pray that you restore it, that there is no loss of movement or strength. I pray that this whole thing would just end up being, oh, just a bump in the road. I pray that you would give him peace. I pray that he and his family would have a great Christmas. I pray that you'd provide for his needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.